Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and joining us again is Dr. April Armstrong, who is here to discuss symptoms and treatment options for nail psoriasis, which is considered difficult to treat. Up to 50% of patients with plaque psoriasis will at some point experience nail psoriasis. Dr. Armstrong is the director of the psoriasis program at the Department of Dermatology at the Keck School of Medicine at USC in Los Angeles, California, where she is also the vice chair and director of the Clinical Trials and Outcomes Research Program. Dr. Armstrong over the years has published several articles about nail psoriasis and is one of the country's leading dermatologists contributing to recommendations about the management of the disease, along with research towards better treatments. Welcome, Dr. Armstrong. It's an honor to have you back on SoundBites. So for those in the audience who may not be aware, let's take a step back and discuss the presentation of nail psoriasis. What are some common signs and where does it originate? Can fingernails and toenails be affected? Patients with nail psoriasis can develop a variety of different nail changes. And yes, both fingernails and toenails can be affected. So the common findings are things like pitting, little pits on the nails, onycholysis or lifting of the nail plate off the nail bed, Subuncle hyperkeratosis, which is building up of debris underneath a nail plate, and nail discoloration. Now, how did these nail findings occur? Well, to understand that, we need to understand two things. Number one is the nail anatomy. So just very briefly, when we look at our nails, our nails are composed of what's called nail plate. That's the hard part of the nail. And the nail plate is really a result of growth from these number of different cells that sits at the base of our plate called nail matrix. So nail matrix are really the cells that are responsible for the formation of nail plate. And then the other part is our nail bed. And that's the, as it sounds, it's the bed or the fleshy part of our nail, of our finger that sits right underneath the nail plate. So psoriasis can affect both the nail matrix, which are the cells that make the nail plate or it can affect the nail bed, which is the fleshy part that sits underneath the nail plate. When it affects the nail matrix, what we see is pitting, which are these little holes, but visible to the human eye, that's on the nail plate. And when it affects the nail bed, we see things like oil drop discoloration, where the nail bed and the nail plate start to separate, and when they separate larger, we call it onycholysis. Who is more likely to experience nail psoriasis? Nail psoriasis can affect both children and adults. And the prevalence of nail psoriasis, depending on the study that we read, ranges from anywhere between 10% to 55%. And I will say that in most patients, nail involvement follows the onset of cutaneous psoriasis or happens at the same time as the onset of cutaneous psoriasis. Rarely, nail psoriasis can be the sole manifestation of psoriasis at the first time of clinical presentation. So one thing we know is that nail psoriasis is strongly associated with psoriatic arthritis. So for example, for patients who have 
psoriatic arthritis is estimated in that particular group, about 80% of the patients and even up to 90% of the patients can have nail involvement. Are flares common with nail psoriasis? Nail psoriasis can be treated and relapses can occur when treatments discontinue. Like other forms of psoriasis, when psoriasis affects the nail matrix and the nail bed, and when it's not actively treated, relapses can occur with nail psoriasis as well. Can nail psoriasis be confused with nail fungus? Are there any key differences? Nail psoriasis can be difficult to distinguish from nail fungus or onychomycosis, particularly when there's building up of debris underneath the nail plate. Now, other findings of psoriatic nail disease that's different from nail fungus are things like nail pitting. We typically don't see pits when it's just onychomycosis or when it's just nail fungus. Sometimes we can see oil drop discoloration in nail fungus as well, but I would say it's more common. Those are the slight separation of the nail plate from the nail bed, and those are a bit more common in psoriatic nail disease. Diagnostically, to distinguish between psoriatic nail disease and onychomycosis or nail fungus, one can do nail clipping, send it for fungal culture, or perform potassium hydroxide preparation on the nail clipping. And if it's onychomycosis, we can see the fungal forms on these different preparations. Is it possible to have both nail psoriasis and a fungal infection? That's a great question. The answer is yes. And the reason for that is nail fungus likes nails that don't have a normal architecture. And for psoriatic nail disease, oftentimes patients, because of having psoriasis affecting their nail matrix and then their nail plate and their nail bed, that the normal architecture of nails is not preserved. And therefore, they have what we call dystrophic nail disease. As a result of that, the fungus actually likes that better. So it's very possible to have both nail psoriasis and fungal infection of the nails. So which type of healthcare provider should someone see for nail psoriasis? A dermatologist, rheumatologist, or a podiatrist maybe? I would say overall see someone who is very comfortable treating nail psoriasis or treating nail fungus, ideally treating both conditions. Among the three types of providers that was mentioned earlier, probably a dermatologist would be most versed in treating nail psoriasis as well as onychomycosis. So do you have any good nail care tips you can offer our listeners? Sure. It is important to avoid trauma to the nails. So for example, manicures are typically not that good for psoriatic nail disease. Nail biting is not very good. And if you're working with harsh chemicals or exposed to wet working environment a lot, consider wearing protective gloves. You want to keep the nails trimmed such that the nails don't become a place where the fungus like to catch on as well. So those are some of the just general hand and foot care tips. So let's talk a little bit about treatment options. Can you please discuss what or if topical treatments work well for nail psoriasis? So topical treatments for nail psoriasis is typically considered in patients with mild nail psoriasis. And now what is mild nail psoriasis? Mild nail psoriasis is nail psoriasis that's limited to one or two nails and without significant symptom or functional impairment. Overall, topical therapies and their efficacy is modest. 
That means that typically they don't work that well. The first line therapy is usually monotherapy or single therapy with a topical steroid or with a topical vitamin D agent or using a drug that combines both topical corticosteroid as well as topical vitamin D agent. Usually these topical medications can be put on as a thin layer to the nail plate, the area we call hyponychium or the area that's basically in between the nail plate and the nail bed, and as well as the nail fold. So for patients with fingernail psoriasis, one can prescribe once daily treatment of corticosteroids or twice daily uh, treatment of corticosteroids. And if you get once daily prescription, typically we recommend that you apply it before bedtime and potentially consider an occlusive dressing at night. That is a little bit of a tape in that area at night that can help the absorption of the medication. Now, if the agents that I mentioned don't work after about three to six months, you don't see just any improvement, then you can go on to second line therapies. Now, before we talk about that, it's important to note that our nails, they grow out slowly, not as slow as your toenails, but your nails takes about six months to completely grow out from the bottom where we see near our cuticle to the very top. So it is important to have patience with these nail treatments. Now, topical treatments for mild nail disease, if the topical steroids are not working, if the topical vitamin D agents are not working, you can consider other topical therapies such as topical tacrolimus or topical tazeratine. Now, it is important to note that the data for their use is very limited and their efficacy is quite modest from clinical practice. And this is because nail disease is just very difficult to treat with topical agents. And what do you feel is appropriate treatment for patients with moderate to severe nail psoriasis? Moderate to severe nail psoriasis is oftentimes associated with market nail dystrophy involving more than two nails. Or if a patient have nail psoriasis, that's just associated with substantial symptoms or functional impairment. Now, for patients with moderate to severe nail psoriasis, the first line of therapy is actually biologic agents. Among the biologic therapies, most of them would work for nail disease. Where we have the most data is with agents such as adalimumab where we know that after 16 weeks, the mean improvement is around 50% compared to patients who were using placebo who had 8% improvement. Another agent is secukinumab, which is an IL-17A inhibitor. The mean percent reduction in their nail disease severity is around 45% by four months. So as you can see, that these biologic agents can be highly effective in terms of treating nail psoriasis. So what about a premolast? How effective is this treatment for nail psoriasis? A premolast is an oral agent, and it's a PDE4 inhibitor that's used to treat moderate to severe plaque psoriasis as well as psoriatic arthritis. Now, premolast has some nail data. It's not a dedicated nail study, but they did look at how a premolast does in patients with plaque psoriasis who also have nail disease. In those patients, 
the study found that at week 16, there is a 23% reduction in the mean target NAPC score, which is a score that's used to assess nail disease severity. And that was seen in patients who were treated with a premolast. And is combination therapy an option for treating nail psoriasis? Combination treatments are definitely possible for patients with nail psoriasis. Oftentimes, monotherapy with topical steroids do not work very well, and therefore, sometimes patients may need to have a combination of oral therapy with topical therapy. However, I would say for most patients who start with biologic therapies, typically biologic monotherapy is sufficient for nail disease. What final comments would you like to share with our listeners about nail psoriasis? Nail disease remains to be challenging to treat with topical modalities. We are fortunate that most of our biologics work well with nail disease. One thing is that we do have to tell patients about the expectation with regards to response and also time of response. It does take a while to see improvement in their psoriatic nails, and it is important that they manage their expectations accordingly. Another key point is oftentimes distinguishing between psoriatic nail disease versus onychomycosis. I think hopefully with this uh, soundbite that I am able to convey that with a lot of our psoriasis patients, they oftentimes do have both of these. And the reason for that is because they have dystrophic nails, which is a ideal environment for a lot of our dermatophytes or fungus that affect our nails. Well, thank you, Dr. Armstrong, again for this in-depth look at nail psoriasis, which I'm sure will be very helpful for our listeners. For more information, contact the Foundation's Patient Navigation Center today to order your copy of a free quick guide about nail psoriasis and treatment options by calling 1-800-723-9166, option 1, or by email at education at psoriasis.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.